Father, we give you thanks. Oh, you are good. You're good, God. You are good and you are great. God, I don't pretend to understand your ways. I never will. But I thank you that we can trust you in them. We can trust you in every season. And there's a purpose for every season, God. Fathers, we dive into a topic that will be a little rough for some. Being that many are in the midst of this right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, you're the comforter and you're the helper. And so I ask that you would move among us and in us, that you would do a great work. God, I thank you that your desire is to meet us where we are and to bring us to where you want us to be. Oh, God, would you help us to be honest in the process? God, I pray that you would keep my opinions and my agenda to myself as we look into your word. May we only see your truth. And then I thank you that you provide the grace necessary that we can obey you. So God, we commit this time to you. Keep us teachable and humble to receive. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, or, or oh, the blessedness of those who mourn. That word blessed is the idea of this joy that surpasses all circumstances. And yet if we're honest, as we're going through the times of mourning, is this what we're experiencing? Is this, is this the first thing that we're thinking of? I feel like a lot of times we make joy, and synon- or joy, joy synonymous with happiness. Happiness is, de- is, de- is determined by circumstances. Joy supersedes them. It doesn't mean that I'm always laughing, but it really does point me to the fact that there's hope. There is hope. And I can find joy if I have a perspective of what scripture teaches and I'm looking at circumstances as they come my way, the mountaintop experiences are meant for the view. I can look around and go, God, look what you've done. When I hit the valleys, guys, it's so easy for us to automatically jump to a conclusion of what? One, I've sinned against God, therefore he's putting me through junk. Or two, he forgot. Like he's forgotten about me. Or three, he doesn't care. And yet we'll look in the pages of scripture and friends, it's in the valleys where we meet God the most. Friends, we have a God who became human and he went through valleys, valleys that we will never experience nor will we ever have to experience because of what he, ex- what he, what he went through for us, what he experienced on our behalf. I love the fact that the scriptures teach us that God is not just this lofty idea or lofty up, or being up there that doesn't get us. No, he became like us and he experienced everything that we will ever experience and more. And because of that, he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. And yet God is doing great works in the valleys. And friends, they are necessary just like every season we go through, fall, summer, winter, and spring, So we do a little survey, who loves summer? Confess it, that's horrible. It's hot, you're like, I love it. We can be friends and we can be family, but I will never understand your ways. How many say I love spring? Like everything's starting new, you love spring, okay? Who are the fall people, yeah? I figured, boy, Alyssa almost went nuts there. She almost levitated out of her chair. She's like, come on, Holy Spirit moment. (laughs) 
Who are the winter people? There you are. Why? Because it's cold and it, kind of, it rained this last year. Not before that, but before this last year we experienced it. See, everyone has these, oh, this is my favorite, this is my favorite, but God's not sitting there going, hey, winter, there's nothing to it, wait till spring. God's like, there's a purpose in all of it. There's a purpose why he does everything. So friends, for those who are here and you have a mountaintop experience time with God, this is your season where it's your favorite. Enjoy it. But also, we remember, if we're at those places, we remember what scripture teaches, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. That we're willing to jump into life with people. And that's where it gets messy, right? For those that are in the valley, I pray that you're encouraged by this morning. And I pray that you're reminded so that you can take one step forward again. So blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That word mourn, it's the strongest word for mourn in the Greek language. In the Septuagint, which is the, uh, when you have the, the Old Testament, it's written in Hebrew. And there's a Greek version called the Septuagint. It's the word used to describe Jacob's lament when he thought that Joseph was dead. Like this is as hard as it gets. There's nothing that you've ever experienced that's harder than what you're going through. And then we mourn. And friends, I'm, I wanna hopefully bring us to a place of freedom. Mourning, mourning doesn't mean lack of faith. To mourn is normal and natural. It's invited. Guys, look at the promise. Blessed are those who mourn. Jesus is sitting there going, if you're mourning, have more faith. Pray some more, read some scripture, and it's over. No, no, he's like, blessed, you gotta hang in there. Blessed are those who mourn, why? Because they will be comforted. Isn't it beautiful to know that Jesus, who is God, recognizes that we will hurt, and we will hurt hard, and we will go through such difficult things, and he's not looking at you questioning your faith. He's reminding you, Guys, it's the kind of grief that is all-encompassing. It takes over. It's grief that can't be hidden. That's what that word means. There's no faking it. And that word comforted means to console and to encourage, to call. This is, one, this is my favorite part of that definition, to call to one's side. Isn't that beautiful? Guys, it's one thing to comfort someone from a distance or just do it really quickly and then forget about them. But in this word is this idea is blessed are those who mourn for they will be brought to the Father's side. They'll be brought to the side of God. God's gonna come right alongside and not just walk from a distance and push you forward. No, no, just walk at his pace. Do you realize that God is known and God is called as the God of comfort? He's the God of all comfort. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So here's the thing, and this is the cycle, friends. When you face times of mourning and difficulty, then God, who is the God of all comfort, comforts you, but who does he use? Now, he himself, the Holy Spirit, can do something inside of us, absolutely. But then who does he use according to the cycle? I go through this time where I have to mourn, and I go through that, and then isn't it amazing how often you meet a person who's going through something almost exactly the same that you went through? Have you ever had that experience and kind of go, this is eerie, 
or what a coincidence. And here's the scriptures going, I don't believe in eerie or coincidence. This is God. I go through something difficult for what purpose? That I would mourn? Yes, I'm gonna be blessed. Yes, I'm gonna be comforted by God, which is mind blowing that God of the universe will comfort me, but then I in turn will be used by God to what? Bring comfort to others. But my question to you is, have you stopped the cycle? Because when we mourn, what do we do? We close off, right? Because we have a culture, you can't show weakness. You can't cry. You ever notice how embarrassing it is to cry in front of people? How do I know it's embarrassing? Because almost every time people go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Dads of brides, those are always my favorite because they always get up tough. They're ready to go and some do it just I'm guessing they practiced, but the majority of the fathers of the bride jump up, grab the mic, and then all of a sudden they pull out their notes and they go for it. And for the first eight words, they're all in. And then all of a sudden it got squeaky. It's like, I just went, (laughs) I told myself I wasn't gonna cry, I'm sorry. And everyone's out now in the crowd going, it together because I don't want to cry in front of people because we can't cry in this culture. We're not going to mourn. We're going to show weakness. We're not going to show that we can't handle this. This is way too much. Isn't it amazing that Jesus wept, but we're not allowed to? We apologize for it all the time. So friends, I want us to be a kind of community where we say things like, hey, how are you doing? And someone will actually answer honestly. I used to do this. I need to start doing this a little bit more often. But I remember, I remember for a season, I would do this. I'd well, see someone, hey, how you doing? They'd say, fine, and then I would jump in their way because everyone's just saying in the way, like, doing great. That's, that's as close as we get to each other. Hey, it's great to see you, Ben. And then as you walk past going, oh, I hope I never see them again. This is, I want us to stop that. So what if you say, hey, how are you doing? And they say, fine, and you go, why? And most of the time, if it's Christians, they go, oh, God is good. That is like the fallback answer. And it's like, it's true. But then what's, what's your next question after they say that? Why? And then you force them to answer. But I've also had people when I jump in their way, why? And they'll tell me, but they'll say something like, I wasn't being honest, I'm not. And then we jump into the conversation. Like, what if we asked the question and we actually meant it when we asked it and we actually meant it when we answered it? Because what if in that moment, we will be the comfort that God wants to bring to another person? But passing two ships, passing in the night, that's not a lot of comfort. What if God wants to use you today, but the the necessity, I'm sorry, what if God wants to comfort someone today, but that necessitates us Stepping out, asking the question why and being vulnerable enough to say, hey, I can relate with this and here's what happened. And then how do we close it? Did we fix it? Probably not. But we comforted them and we can pray together and we can go to the one who can and who will. We're gonna take a a quick little dive into the life of Mary. So if you have your Bibles, uh, Luke chapter 10, we're gonna float there um, and then we're gonna go into John chapter 11. In Luke chapter 10, remember we have Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the siblings. 
And the Bible, the Bible actually points to the fact that Jesus really loved these three. It's not like his favorites, but he really loved them. He had a great relationship with them. And in, March, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 10, starting here in verse 38, it says this, and now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, she went up to the creator of the universe and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. That's kind of pushy. She just went up to the Messiah and told him what to do. But notice what she said first. Here's the question. Do you not care? Friends, you ever find yourself caring about something? You're so passionate about it. And it doesn't seem like anybody else is as much as you are and you begin to question whether or not they have a heart. Or what if you're really doing something for the Lord, you're really serving him all in. And then it doesn't, you don't see anything happening. Don't we jump to the same conclusion? God, don't you care? Don't, and then she said, don't you care that I'm doing all this work and my sister's just sitting there? I love sibling rivalry, it's in the scriptures. One sister mad at the other. All of a sudden there's a fight that breaks out. So all she does is ever sit there. I always have to do everything. Well, think about it. If you always do everything, of course she's gonna keep sitting there. I would, I would take advantage of that also. But when you look at the Messiah and says, don't you care, think about it. Jesus showed up in a body because he cared. The whole reason for why Jesus came is that God so loved the world. I wanna challenge us, let's not jump to that conclusion so quickly. Don't you care that I've been left here to do everything and she's just sitting around. So the answer must be you do care, so you should tell her to help me. And look at Jesus' response. So Jesus screamed at Mary and said, stop being a sloth. <laughs> that's why I tell you to bring your Bibles. Oh wait, that's always on the screen, but here we go. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Just names her twice. It's kind of like Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Show of hands, I know this is vulnerable and honest. How many of you are like Martha, always busy? Gotta be doing something, right? Even if you have an opportunity to rest, you're trying to plan out how to rest best. What are the things I can do while I'm resting so that I get more done so that I can continue to pretend to rest? And so constantly going, and friends, there's nothing wrong with serving. Guys, can you imagine if we all just sat around at Jesus' feet just looking, listening? Nothing would ever get done. So there is a necessity for things to get done. We're called to work six days, and then on the seventh, we're supposed to rest. But in this moment, here's Mary just chilling out at Jesus' feet. I'm guessing that Jesus is speaking about things, teaching about things, and Mary's just like, oh, bring it. Come on, tell me more. And Martha's like, what about the sausages? What about the croissants? What about? And she's just like, we don't have these things already. We got, tell her to help me because this is way too much for me. And Jesus goes, Martha, you need to stop. 
What you're doing is great, but it's not the most important thing at the moment. Guys, you really think that Jesus always just wants us in his presence to continue to work? Or do you think, he's, do you think at times he's just saying, I just want you to be, just be here. Notice that in this passage, Mary goes to Jesus's feet. There's a sense of humility or adoration. Like, I love this guy. For those that have come to Christ and you, you've had a relationship, can you remember back when you first came that maybe there was this exhilaration going, wait, God and I are good. I have a relationship with Jesus. This is awesome. I just want to sit at his feet. I want to learn from him. And wouldn't you wish that it could be like that all the time? Mountaintop experiences forever. Friends, that's coming. But not in a broken world. Not in the midst of our brokenness. And so we see Mary here at Jesus' feet. Now take your Bibles. If you have them, go to John chapter 11. It's in John chapter 11 where Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. And from my understanding, I think he's only about a couple miles away. This is a 30-minute walk if you stroll. Like, that's not that far. Maybe a 45-minute walk if you stroll. And it says that Jesus waited some days He didn't go right when he heard the news. He didn't respond or react to the urgent in the moment. And this is urgent and important. It's all in one. But look at how, how, I don't think it'll be on the screen, but verse three, it says this. The sister sent him word saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Guys, there's a whole sect of horrible teaching and false teachers who say this. "If If you love the Lord, you'll never be sick. And if you are, you just need more faith. In fact, if you send me some of your money, then I'll pray on your behalf and I'll send you a sweet little handkerchief that I wiped with my brow and the sweat of the holy will be sent to you and you'll be healed so long as what? So long as you have enough faith. But if it doesn't work, it's on you. Where'd we get that? Isn't it kind of destroyed in that one statement? The one whom you love is what? Ill. Now, can God heal? Absolutely. Does he always? Maybe not this side of heaven. Verse four, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is, it is, it is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Through what? The illness. That makes no sense, except that it does. Friends, isn't it amazing we have a God who's so good at his job that he can receive glory through the junk, through the illnesses, through the suffering, because God is going to be glorified no matter what, and God does great things. We may not understand his timing or his ways, but man, he always pulls through on what he wants to accomplish. So Jesus waits some days, Lazarus dies. As he gets there, Martha comes out. Let me see if I can find the verse. Uh, Verse 20, if you have your Bibles. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. We say the same thing. Lord, if you were here, then this wouldn't have happened. Guys, when a tragedy hits, nationally or globally, we sit and go, God, if you'd been here, this wouldn't happen. God, if you cared, then this wouldn't have happened. All the while forgetting the passage, it comes back to, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. 
that you love him. I mean, you gotta, you're gonna show up, right? And haven't you prayed? Haven't you reminded God in your prayers? God, remember, would you help them? They love you so much. They love you so much. Haven't you prayed the exact same prayers that they prayed? And then when it didn't happen the way that you thought it would, God, if you had been here, then this wouldn't have happened. My brother would still be alive. But then notice your next response. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. She still had faith, but where's Mary? Mary, the one who sat at his feet, she didn't go. Martha went by herself. Mary's still chilling out by herself. Why do I think that she stayed back? This is my conviction. I think she stayed back because she's ticked. I think she's angry. I think she's frustrated, confused. And I think all these emotions are just ripping her apart, going, wait a minute, we gave you word. There was plenty, and we've watched you heal thousands of people. And yet the one whom you love, you don't come? Friends, if you've ever prayed that, you're in great company. You're in great company with people who are known to be in the, quote unquote, the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, that they've been that honest with God. God's not offended by that. Think about it, he invites us. How am I supposed to cast all my cares onto God because he cares for me, but not the emotions that come with it? God, this is where I'm at. Guys, it's in those moments where you're just like, this, like, God, why are you not? Why are you not? And we can sit there and go, you show proper respect. And I'm just sitting there going, aren't you thinking that maybe this God of the universe is sitting there going, I'm just so thankful you're still facing me, that you're still praying to me. Say whatever you need to say. Guys, read the Psalms. And you see this freedom in conveying reality to God as if he doesn't know, but just saying, this is where I'm at. And God just takes it, take it. Even Job Job and his, like his confusion of trying to understand what's going on. At one point, God absolutely confronts him. Are you gonna put me in the wrong so you can be in the right? And he may have to humble us, but I read chapters 38 through 40. I don't see God just angry and ripping into him. I see God calling him to the mat for the purpose of what? Revealing to Job who he really was. So that at the end, Job would go, I just repent. Like, I know what I said, but you've revealed who you are, and so I just repent in dust and ashes. Guys, it's in the, it's in the storm, it was in the time of his mourning that God showed up in a way that left Job completely changed because he met God face to face. So, we get over here, uh, verse, uh, verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here, is calling for you. And when, when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to, I'm sorry, going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came and were I'm sorry, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sounds just like her sister. But the difference was this. When Martha showed up, she faced him face to face from her feet. 
But where did Mary go? Back to his feet. Said the exact same words. But there's a different emotional thing that's going on with, for, with Mary that wasn't for Martha. Guys, there's something about going before Jesus at his feet, the sense of humility, where in Luke 10, it's adoration. This guy's awesome. Think, look at the things he's teaching. I'm blown away by him. I've heard of what he's done. This is incredible. He does the miraculous, except then you get to John 11, and Jesus doesn't do the quote-unquote miraculous, and my brother still died, and I don't know what else to do, and I'm angry and frustrated. I might even become bitter so where do I go I go to the same place where I adored him in the first place I go to his feet I go to him desperate and hurting and humble God if you had been here then this wouldn't have happened the Bible says that when he looked at her and he looked at everyone around Jesus wept guys I don't think that Jesus' weeping has stopped because he ascended because he still hurts and weeps on our behalf for us, he intercedes for us. He prays on our behalf, he endures suffering still like we do. He hurts over us. For those who are in a time of mourning, please do not picture Jesus just saying, get over it, because I don't believe the scriptures teach that. If Jesus wept in this chapter knowing that he was going to bring Lazarus back from the dead, then why cry? He knew the ending. He wept because everyone else did. So why is it because he's ascended on high that all of a sudden there's no emotion? He doesn't weep. He says, suck it up. She fell at his feet. And then Jesus says, where have you laid him? And then he says, guys, move the stone. And good old Martha, you Marthas, wouldn't you think the same thing? Jesus has been in there for, or not Jesus, Lazarus been in there for, for four days. And Jesus says, move the rock. He's like, mm, Jesus, I wouldn't do that. There's some stink on his body. He smells like death. We shouldn't do that. As if Jesus going, oh, I was gonna do the miracle, never mind. No, shower him up first, I don't want that. So they finally move the stone and he calls him out and Lazarus comes walking out. That's impressive. And then John chapter 12 Starting in verse three, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came, or came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave, they gave a dinner for him there. Well, that seems fitting. If a dude brings someone back from the dead, you should buy some pizzas and have a party in his honor. It just seems like it's a universal concept. So they're, they're throwing a dinner in Jesus' honor. Martha served, shocking, Back to it. <laughs> I love, gotta love her. Lazarus was, was one of those reclining with him at the table. Lazy men, just sit around. Well, I'll give him a break because he was dead. And then Mary, there, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard. Isn't that a pretty name? Gentlemen, buy that for your, for your ladies one day. <laughs> Made from pure nard. Now watch it, watch, watch. And anointed the what? The feet of Jesus. In Mark, it says that she actually broke the flask and poured it on his head and then anointed his feet. 
And isn't there a part here also? And wiped his feet with her hair. That's weird. Maybe it's just because I don't have it, but whatever. But here's the thing, friends. The first time I believe that Mary went to Jesus' feet was out of adoration. The second was out of brokenness. The third was out of worship. But there's something about Jesus' feet. Because when I go to his feet, instead of me just standing there, and for, honestly, friends, it might be for some of you that it's not a figurative thing. Like you might need to literally, physically kneel, go to your face, and go before Jesus, you're at his feet. Because a lot of times when I stand, or I'm just sitting there and reclining, and it's kind of like, meet me where I am, meet me where I am. Rather than maybe you need to go humbly before the feet of Jesus. Say, well, Brian, will he fix it? I have no clue what he'll, what he'll do. But I promise you this, you'll be in the presence of Jesus. You get him, it's him. And what an invitation. You can come before him to adore him. You could come before him to cry out to him. You can come to him to worship. And friends, that's the goal. I think we wanna move into that place. And maybe you were at that place of adoring and maybe you're now at this place of frustration or anger or caution or hurt or tired. And maybe he's just saying, are you still gonna come to my feet? Come to my feet. Come humbly, come to me. And he wants to move you also not to stay there forever, I mean, however long you want, like however long you need to be there in this process of healing, but then to move to a place of worship. I'll worship you at your feet humbly before you, God. I was preaching last week at a small little pastor's retreat, and I preached on this, and I was just going to do the the Lazarus thing. Guys, I've preached John 11, John 11 and 12 with Mark 14. I, I could say at least over 100 times, over 30 years. I just love the passage. I had never noticed Mary at his feet three different times, at his feet, at his feet, at his feet. I'm like, what is this? I, thought, I just reminded the pastors and spouses that were there, guys, we're supposed to be leading the way of what it looks like to just go to the feet of Jesus. So friends, if you're at a place... You just adore, life's great, stay at the feet of Jesus. It's this posture of humility before him. If you're broken and frustrated or questioning, or just go back to the feet of Jesus where it all started. And then as you're doing that, man, just I'm gonna stay here, I'm gonna stay right here until I'm worshiping you, God. God, I wanna see you work, I wanna see the end result, so maybe you'll be at Jesus' feet until he fixes it, humbly questioning, going, God, what is this? But I still wanna to come to you. And then when he does it, what's the response? Oh, I gotta worship, I gotta, whatever it takes so you know how thankful and grateful I am and how much I love you and adore you. I want you to get it, not just a quick thanks. And here's the next one. But to stop. Because it's in that process, we're close in proximity to the Savior. And is it possible that that's the whole point anyway? 
What are things that we mourn over? Friends, we can look at the state of our world. We can look at the state of our nation. Guys, be honest. Was it two weeks ago, give or take, week and a half ago maybe? Morocco has this massive earthquake. Did you read about that? And buildings there aren't built with the idea of earthquakes. It's not normal. I think the number that I saw right when it happened, I mean, just a few hours after, it's like over a thousand people passed. They died. Do I sit there and just go, I just give you praise? I just go, God, my heart hurts for them. My heart hurts for them. God, would you please, would you please? And we start praying on behalf of people I've never met nor probably will ever meet. But we just hurt. Guys, we look at a world, a nation that's in rebellion against God, that God has set these things up for our good. There's commandments that are for good. We just go, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. But guys, we gotta stop and go, why don't we like this one? We gotta stop and ask ourselves, guys, you heard me. I'll say this, especially as we get closer and closer to election time. I am not about politics. I am allegiant. My allegiance is to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm about the kingdom of heaven. I'm gonna preach the Bible, not from red colored or blue colored glasses. What does the Bible say? Because I wanna know what God thinks. Guys, we're gonna hold to this. Why? Because I believe that in the pages of this beautiful gospel is the solution. It's Jesus. It's God saying, okay, my church sent out. This is what I want you to do. And this is what I want you to hold to. And this is what I want you to stand for. And this is where I want you to jump into the dirt, the mire, the muck of the brokenness of the world. Be my hands and my feet and love them to what? That they would come to know Jesus. So my heart breaks and hurts. And then if we're honest, don't we get angry and frustrated and mad at people? And that's what we need to repent from. We repent from that. Why? Because we weren't called to that. If Jesus loved us while we were his enemies, then who are we to think we have any other response to people than to die to ourselves and love the crud out of them? The purpose of what? That they would come to Jesus. Friends, we should mourn over the oppressed, those who are oppressed in our world. I should mourn over my own sin. Anybody else sin this week? Just me, okay, thank you. Me and Yvonne, thank you. <laughs> like, we just suck. <laughs> Guys, I, I wanna encourage you, confession and repentance is God's beautiful gift to us every day to confess and to repent from us, like God's constant invitation, just come back. Come on, come on, stop, look, get over here, get over here. My own sinfulness, friends, it drives me nuts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. 
So I could look at my own sin and just be broken and mourn over that. I can look at the sinfulness of humanity and be broken over that, mourn that. Psalm 119, verse 136. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. God, it breaks my heart. There's also this, we mourn over loss or pain. Friends, for those who've lost someone this year, for those who've lost someone in the last five years, for those who lost someone 22 years ago and you still hurt, it doesn't mean lack of faith. It means you hurt and it's okay. It's fine, it's all right. Continue to work through the process. Continue to spend time alone with the Lord. Spend time in prayer. If you need to seek counseling, get it. Seek counseling, those who can counsel the things of God and point you back to, okay, this is what God says, hang in there. They'll hear you, they'll listen to you. Guys, it's okay. Why? Because what is God's heart in all of it? Isaiah chapter 40, verse one. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. That's what he wants to do. Isaiah chapter 61, one through three, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is Jesus, or Jesus is the fulfillment of these words. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our, of our God, to comfort all who mourn. That's what Jesus does. That's part of his ministry to comfort all who mourn. Guys, the world, he's like, just come, come to me. If you're broken and you're hurting, you're mourning, just come to my feet. The beauty, the beauty of coming to his feet is also this. If I'm at his feet, I can't point my finger at him. How dare you? I don't want this, change this. I don't like that thought. I don't like what you say about this. These thoughts, these feelings, this is who I am. No, you have to. Guys, we just come humbly going, I don't know what else to do, God. And what's his response? To comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a, who's them? Those who mourn to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. In other words, those who are mourning, God will do his work. However long it takes, he will do his work so that at some point you're like, I can't get up, I don't want to do anything. At some point, he will raise you up like an oak. And you will stand tall. It may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. For what purpose? That he may be glorified. Do you really think that God is gonna leave a work undone? No, because his ultimate purpose is that he will be glorified. Revelation chapter seven, verse 17. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water 
and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friends, that is the heart of God. In the times of mourning, what do we, what do, we do? The same thing you did before. You go to the feet of Jesus. You go there to listen. You go there to cry out. You go there desperate. You go there broken. You go there hope-filled. And you go there when you're hopeless. You go to the feet of Jesus. Guys, there's something that happens there. When we come to the Lord humbly, the scriptures tell us, humble yourself in the, in, the, in the sight of the Lord and he will what? He will lift you up in due time. Oh, I wish it said immediately. Right? <laughs> I do too. But when you come through the other end, don't you sit there and maybe at times sit there and say, God, thank you that you took your time because I never would have been like this if you took care of it like that. We come to the feet of Jesus. The worship team can come back up to bless us. Eugene Peterson, he writes out Matthew chapter five, verse four this way. It says this, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Like, maybe for some of you, you may be sitting there going, I don't know how much more I have. I feel like I already have it all emptied out. Aren't you thankful that God knows exactly what empty looks like? He knows. So again, what do we do? Maybe at some point, and it can be here during the song, it doesn't bother me, I think it's beautiful when we, does anyone ever feel the pressure, like we just sing a song where you like, we raise our hands, and we, then we go wide, and it's like, which one is it? Like, what do I do? Is this okay? Is this too far? Should it be an angle because it doesn't hurt my shoulders as much? Like, what do I do? <sighs> Zach's like, just keep it down, like you're carrying a, like you're carrying a TV, that's what you do. What if we actually did what we sang, though? Brian, I'm doing it in my heart because your heart has hands. What if we actually started doing that? The points where it says kneel, we kneel, if we are able to. Physically, if you're, this is, again, this isn't legalistic, but what if we challenged ourselves in this? But at some point for some of you, maybe you need to literally find a time alone and sit on the floor and maybe even pull a chair out and picture Jesus sitting at it. Like, who does that? That's stupid. But what if that's where Jesus meets you the most? At least try it. And what if you just sit there, Bible open, journal, and you don't plan out, Jesus, you got 30 minutes. What if you said this? God, I'm, as long, I'm here as long as it takes. Whether you, whether you quote unquote fix it, or whether you fix me. Maybe the circumstance didn't change, but Jesus, you can change my perspective and fix me as long as it takes. The feet of Jesus.
Friends, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted by the God of all comfort. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you came. Oh, thank you that you came. You sympathize with us in our weakness. You know our weaknesses, God. Thank you. God, for those, they're in a place of mourning. God, would you meet them? I want to invite those of you who are in a place of mourning or it's a difficult season. I know I do this often, and I pray. I want us to be a community that's real and raw. All I'm going to ask you to do is stand up. And I'm going to invite us to pray for people who do. And if you're not going, I just can't, Brian. I'd rather stay down. Okay, this is fine. No legalism here. But I want to invite you to do that, even if you've confessed it before. And then I'm going to invite those of you who are comfortable, know the Lord. If you see someone stand up around you, just pray. You can stay where you are and pray. You want to come lay hands on them, you can pray. Not because there's something magical, but because it's biblical. There's something to it. Again, you don't have to. But as I continue to pray, if this is you, this is a season of mourning, and you want to stand as I pray, then stand. And let us love you and serve you. Jesus, in this time, I thank you that when there is mourning, you are still there. I thank you. And you're not calling us to fake it, fake it till we make it. You're inviting us to your feet. You're inviting us in our times of adoration, in our times of brokenness and frustration. That's at your feet that we can still worship you. So God, I thank you that you meet us in Jesus. I pray that this last song would bless those who are in a season of mourning and remind us that there is someone that we can stand with and stand on. Jesus, you are the cornerstone. You are the foundation. So God, we thank you for your goodness and your greatness. God, be pleased and Holy Spirit, do a work. Oh, Holy Spirit, move and comfort, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you all more than you know.